Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. The mobile business is really what informed Drybar and the fact that I was having so much success in my mobile business because, you know, I would come to their house for $40, which most hairstylists wouldn't. It was very, way too inexpensive. So if I couldn't go, I started asking my clients, what do you do if I can't come? The answer was always the same. Either I begrudgingly go to my cut and color salon and overpay and they pressuring me for cut and color, or I go to like the discount chain. Hi, everyone. You're listening to The Females, a podcast from Career Contessa that deep dives into the world of women, work, and what it takes to build a successful and fulfilling career on your terms. This season of The Females will explore the world of meltdowns and comebacks. I'm Lauren McGoodwin, CEO of Career Contessa and the host of The Females. Today's guest is Ali Webb, the mastermind behind Drybar, the blowout empire, which I think most of us know pretty well. She's also an author, mom, product developer, and most recently, podcast host with her new show, Raising the Bar. Today's special in more ways than one. Allie is not only my first guest on The Females, but she was also my very first Career Contessa interview back when we launched in 2013. So yes, we've both come a long way. Call me superstitious, but I feel like Allie has been a bit of a good luck charm for growing my own business as well as a mentor and a friend. So I'm thrilled to kick off this podcast with a woman who's not afraid of risk, unapologetically confident, and who also knows when to admit defeat, like the time that she totally bombed a job interview. More on that in a few. Allie's business certainly didn't happen overnight. Born and raised in an entrepreneurial family in Florida, Allie was still unclear about her career aspirations early on. After trying and dropping out of college, Allie moved to New York to pursue a career in PR and fashion. Fashion ultimately took her back to Florida, where she helped her brother open and manage Nicole Miller stores. Never afraid of a career pivot, Allie decided to leave that world behind to pursue another passion, beauty. After finishing beauty school, where she noticed how much pleasure women got out of the experience of their weekly appointments, she moved back to New York to work in the business. Later, Allie moved with her husband, Cam, to L.A., where she became a mom and dedicated her time to raising her two sons before launching a mobile dry bar business to make some extra cash. Well, suffice to say, it didn't stay an on-the-side thing for long. Our interview starts with her jump from side hustle to a brick-and-mortar store, the first of what would ultimately become more than 100 dry bar locations. We discuss her relationship with failure, how she constantly develops her career within her own company, 
and what exactly the red wine crisis really is. Get ready for some relatable moments, eye-opening advice, and fair warning, a curse word or two. All right, let's start with your transition from your mobile blow-dry business straight at home. Clearly, you were a natural brander from the beginning. It's such a good name. Uh, To opening your first dry bar location in Brentwood in 2010, which I'm sure feels like forever ago. How... How did that come about? I mean, you were you had this successful successful mobile business, and now you are l- launching brick and mortar, which takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, the the mobile business is really what informed Drybar, and the fact that I was having so much success in my mobile business because I was only charging forty dollars for a blowout was really really the first thing that made me start to think. And then it was like, well there's no other place for women to go. You know, I would come to their house for $40, which most hairstylists wouldn't. It was way too inexpensive. So if I couldn't go, I started asking my clients, what do you do if I can't come? Because I, you know, at the time my kids were very young and I was still like, I had, I don't know, like four hours, maybe three during the day to actually do blowouts. And so when I would ask like, what do you do? The the answer was always the same. Either I begrudgingly go to my cut and color salon and overpay and they pressuring me for cut and color or I go to like the discount chain you figure it out which you know I've been figuring it out my whole life so I understand that but they didn't like that experience they didn't like either experience and that's when I started to think like I wonder if I could turn this little mobile blow dry business at this affordable price into a brick and mortar but it felt daunting because how do you make a business work at like and when we started we were $35 like $35 a pop you have to do a lot of blowouts. Yeah, I, lot I of didn't blowouts. know if we could do it. So mm-hmm. that's how the idea kind of started percolating for me. And that's when I started talking to my brother and my husband. And I was like, you know, maybe this is a thing. Maybe we could do this, you know? And, and again, it was like, at that time, I was thinking if we could do like 30 or 40 blowouts a day, we would probably like break even and maybe make a little bit of money. And so that was like the big goal back then, which of course now would be like the most awful day. I mean, <laughs> right. we're averaging like 100 plus blowouts a day. So it, you know, buy stores. So we're at 105 stores, you know, it's a lot a of lo- more, a lot of blowouts. Exactly. So that's really how, you know, straight at home turned into dry bar. Yeah. And, and you got a loan from your brother to open up the first shop and you worked with an architect. Yeah. Well, it wasn't so much of a loan as it was like sweat equity, which is the first time in my life I ever heard the term sweat equity. And I was like, What's sweat equity? That doesn't, that sounds weird. That sounds bad. I don't want that. Yeah, that that sounds bad. But (laughs) what I learned was he said, I'll put up all the money and and I'll own half the company or 50%. You'll own 50%. But I didn't have to really put in any money. I was like, oh, this is a great deal. Um, Because he really was, you know, putting everything on the line, but he thought this was a great idea. Cameron, my husband, who's our other partner, he, we put in all we had, which was very little. But that was, that was Michael's kind of idea was like, he knew that I was like, the hair part of it and I knew how salon should be run and, and this was like my idea my baby but I needed his help not just financially but his business help as well to help me really get this thing off the ground he was the one who was running spreadsheets and doing all the stuff that I hate doing and Cameron was doing all the branding and I was figuring out how we were going to make this you know salon even though we don't call it a salon concept work yeah it's a great trio of skills you know his strengths the weren't best. yours and that really worked out well and I and I talk about it all the time I mean I you know, you have to realize your limitations. And for me, you know, I didn't have a strong business background. I didn't know anything about branding. I mean, I learned so much from that, from my husband who was a, worked in an advertising agency and he was a creative director and he had such a strong vision on branding that with the, the three of us coming together was pretty magical. And, and we always have all said without any of us, it never would have worked. So 
you know, you gotta, you gotta, I say it all the time. You have to surround yourself with good people who know things that you don't. Absolutely. And I think that's whether you're an entrepreneur or you're working, you know, for another organization, it doesn't matter. Like your team and your support system means everything. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like such a silly cliche, but there's like no I in team. Yeah. I mean, it's true. You know, it's like, there's nobody that I know that's super successful that doesn't have a great team around them helping. And that team has grown significantly from just me, Michael and Cam to, you know, this massive support center that we have and the 3000 stylists and all the people that go along to make driver what it is. Absolutely. And one of the things I love about your story is that you always say, look, I didn't invent having a blowout. You know, people were getting their hair blown out. I do out, say that you, a lot. You know, <laughs> but, and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's tough because one of the things that stops them and they're like, oh, that idea already exists, exists. so I can't do it. And for you, it was like, I'm not inventing this, but I'm recreating the experience. Improving it. Yeah, from the yellow, like every time you walk into a dry bar, you have a consistent experience, the the movies, the champagne. So I'm just kind of curious, like, were you consciously thinking about that? Or was that like, kind of like, oh yeah, I guess I did reinvent this experience. Well, it's it's so true. I, I always felt like, I think when I was in beauty school, which was a long time ago. (laughs) I've been doing hair for like 20 years now. But when I was in beauty school in South Florida and I would do all these little old ladies and that's who would come into the beauty school, they'd pay like a dollar a blowout. But they didn't have a lot of hair and they wanted a lot of volume. So it was quite the education. But they would talk to me about how they used to go to the beauty parlor and they would get their hair coiffed once a week. And that was like their routine and they, like all their friends were there and and I don't think I was necessarily paying attention to that at the time but it stuck with me and I feel like with dry bar we kind of modernized that behavior and brought it back and so I think I wasn't you know I was I wasn't I wasn't conscious honestly of any of it when we first started it just it was it happened so fast because I felt like why doesn't this exist this should exist you know and to your point I feel like all the time I see businesses every day that I'm like this is a great idea but the execution could be so much better. You could be so much more successful. And the, and the thing is so so simple, which is what really drives me crazy. My my brother too, we talk about it all the time. You know, I mean there's there's so many great businesses that just aren't treating people well enough, you know, or the branding is not well enough and the experience is bad and the you know, the customer service is bad and the lighting is bad and like there's a million little things that go into, you know, I know you know, making a business great and it's like you have to check as many of those boxes as you can. So for me, I feel like I was able to check a lot of those boxes from my own personal knowledge and my career and hair. And then, you know, bringing on other really smart people and like our architect who, when I said to him, I want the shop to feel like a high end, like boudoir. And I wanted to be really modern, but I also wanted to be shabby chic. And, you know, (laughs) like we thought his head was going to explode, but he delivered this amazing space, which I'm not an architect. Like I couldn't envision what he envisioned. I just told him how I, how I for, you know, thought the shop should look. So the yeah. details matter. The details matter so much. Yeah. It's everything. And I think that that's, it, it's some, that's advice. Probably one of my number one pieces of advice, of advice is like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you could probably do something better, even if it totally already exists. And blowouts have existed forever, you know? Right. I, I feel like you've definitely made it because when people start using your company as a verb, so like, I'm going to Uber here. The dry bar gonna, up. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to dry bar it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've made it in life. Um, that is a pretty, you know, it's funny because I remember when that started happening and people, I would read articles about, you know, like a skincare place opening or something. And it's like, it's the dry bar of skincare. Yes. And I was like, huh. 
Wow. It's yes. like, that's a pretty amazing feeling that people are, you know, modeling after you. Yeah, it's it's definitely a sign of success, especially in investor pitches. I've gone to a bunch <laughs> of like pitch competitions. And it's like, I'm the such and such of Jaibar. I'm the such and such of, you know, Uber, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. And you're like, all right. <laughs> that's me. Yes, that is, that is a pinch me moment for sure. So we interviewed you back in 2013. That's and right. you were actually our first career contestant interview Yay! feature. Um, and you had 30 locations, 30 dry bar locations. Now you have over 100, which is just... 105 to be exact. Yes, which is incredibly impressive. And I'm sure tiring <laughs> when you think about it like that. Um, you've got your product line. You've launched a, a book. You now have your podcast, Raising the Bar. What I know it didn't happen overnight, obviously. Right. But what I think is really interesting is that you've been able to evolve your own personal career while staying within the same company. And I'm just kind of curious, like, how have you been able to do that? Has that all been like, okay, next year I'm going to make sure I focus on products and then I'm going to focus on this, or is it just kind of a organic vibe? It's a good question that I don't think I've been asked a lot because it's new, you know? And I think, I think kind of what's happened is that, you know, for the first three, four years, you know, I was so far in the weeds dealing with everything. And then when we finally brought in a professional CEO who really built out an amazing management team, it's like slowly but surely the things that I had to do on a day-to-day basis started to get taken over by somebody who was better at them. Like I used to do payroll. Hire for your strengths. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's like, nobody wants me doing payroll. And, and, you know, all these things that I used to do got, you know, kind of farmed out to other people who were better at it. So it's been an interesting evolution where, you know, and then side note to when we started product, I always wanted product. It took us four years to actually launch it because it's expensive. We needed to find the right partners. I tried to start it like two years into the business and couldn't get anybody to pay attention to me or talk to me about product. And it wasn't until, yeah, nobody was talking to me at that point. But it wasn't until our private equity group, Castanea, came along and they, and Janet Gerwich, who's on our board and was part of Castanea, who's the founder of Laura Mercier Cosmetics. I mean, at the time we were being, we were being pitched from like some major hair companies to do a co-branded line. And we, and it was pretty in, in like intoxicating and like enticing. And we were like, maybe we should just do this. And Janet was like, no, don't do it with another company do it yourself. Even if you don't, at this point we hadn't taken money from Castanet and she's like, even if you don't take our money, just do your own product line. We did end up taking in a pretty big investment from Castanea and Janet was on board. And so she started introducing me to the best labs and, and, you know, we started the product line when we were still, we started working on the product line when we still didn't have a lot of outside help. We didn't have a head of product, which we do now. I mean, now our, our product team is massive, but it was just me and Cam. Cam was designing the packages. I was designing what goes inside the packages. And that was, you know, just a natural evolution. I felt like the shops needed a cohesive story in terms of the way the products worked and just being made for blowouts versus the zillion other things that so many products do. So that's kind of how that started. And then you know, as the years have gone on, it's like, like I said, we've, we've brought in other people to help, but I, I, I have this great, it's, I feel so lucky to be where I am now because I'm still like very involved in product development. I'm still like, I still read all the customer service stuff. You know, I go into the stores as much as I can. I'm constantly like in Sephora and Ulta and Nordstrom doing those kind of things. So that's the kind of stuff that I do now versus having to like field calls when a manager 
needs a, has a problem and not that I won't take that call because I will but it's definitely like been an evolution for me to you know to be able to do things like start a podcast and, and start to give back a little bit so but it ebbs and flows you know I mean there's some weeks that like you know I'm st- I still find myself in like meeting after meeting after meeting so it's kind of like it's well, you always actually have different. a nice balance because I feel like yeah. if you had too much of you know the corporate side of it you would want more of the creative 100 so percent because I'm, nice I'm not like a sit at my desk uh, my computer girl type of girl. <laughs> I'm just not. And I did that for a couple of years. You know, it was like I went from being in the stores all the time. Like when we first opened Brentwood, I was there around the clock probably for six months. I mean, seven days a week. You know, and slowly I, I started to pull back from that. And then I was in an office all the time. And that wasn't 100% me either, where I feel like now I have, I do have this great balance that I'm, I'm personally really enjoying. Yeah. And I think the good reminder for the listeners is that it's taken you eight years minimum to get eight here. Eight and a half. I eight. mean, we're, we'll be nine yeah, right. in, it's yeah, in February. <laughs> Time is yeah. flying. Uh, it really is. And it, it is a testament. I mean, it's been, you know, a long time coming and I've, I've flailed around for years trying to figure out what I wanted to do and then straight at home. And, and, you know, I was like, I thought I was going to be a stay at home mom. So it's been a really interesting, you know, 10 years. Well, it's, I think it's, great to hear that my mom has the saying where she says life happens while you're making plans my mom always said that too and so it's like must be a florida thing. it must be a florida thing um and and what i like about that is that i think women naturally are kind of we're planners like we want to know what the next step is all the time but it's like you can get lost in the weeds and miss out on the great opportunity of starting a dry bar you know or yeah and i think that i'm always just the way my brain works like I'm always thinking of the next thing like I always am like what you know what's going to be next what's happening next I think that even with all the success that we, you know we've had I never I've never just said I'm gonna just like chill out and sit back for a while like I it's not in my DNA I just I want to do something else I want to do more and and so you know it's it's really exciting and you know by no means is like dry bar like turnkey i mean it's still a beast of a business i mean we have so many employees you know there's still we just celebrated our hundred shops and we did this massive day and we you know gave away 100 blowouts to two women and we just you know and there's just there's always so much going on and we're always, we're planning our next campaigns and we have photo shoots and how to I mean it's just it, it goes on and on but I like the I like being really busy and I like having kind of a million projects in the works well I also think that um you have a lot of competitors like you can't be just complacent sit, yeah you cannot no. just sit there because um I, I know you know this there's a lot of you know quote unquote copycats and yeah. competitors and people who are waiting for you guys to sit on your laurels and take a back seat and yeah that will never happen <laughs> you guys heard it here <laughs> well I mean and, and there it's it's really been interesting the whole copycats and I think in the early days I used to it used to really keep me up at night I'm and, sure and then there's like I mean from a business perspective you know, we kind of just thought the copycats were like frustrating, but then it turns out that like you need a lot of legal help to go after copycats who are taking verbiage off your website, which happens happens, a lot, which is shocking. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so, so many things that have happened that I've been like, I can't believe people do this, but then there's concepts that have like done their own thing. They have a blow dry bar of some sort, but it's like theirs. Their version of it. And that's, I'm cool with that because I'm like, good for you. Go do it yourself. Just don't. I've seen my picture on other Coffee Cat's website. Why do people do that? It's so weird. Like, do you actually think you're going to get away with that? So, you know, I mean, I remember like the first year it was like, we didn't, uh, we didn't budget for like the lawyer fees that we were going to need to like say, hey, Sally's dry bar, you can't call yourself dry bar you know so 
while we're very cognizant of what's going on with the competition, we also don't like, you know, you can't fixate on that. You can't fixate on it, but you do need to be aware and we are aware and it. And I think it does help keep us at the top of our game. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's also has raised awareness for the category. I mean, LA and New York were like no brainers and Dallas was one of our first cities outside of LA and like Chicago, Boston, like all these metropolitan cities got it immediately but we've gone to some cities where it's like taken a second for them for like them to be like what's a blowout which you know wasn't as wasn't happening as much in LA and New York but it was in like the middle of the country and now the fact that there's been competitors is has kind of just helped kind yeah. of educate the marketplace and it's interesting we we used to also really stress about not being first to market because if an, a competitor got there before we did like, uh oh, they have the market share, but then we would come in and be better. Well, <laughs> and, and so they'd be your, like, oh, this is dry bar, you right. know? Well, and you come in with your massive following and branding. We and- just, and I think that that's the thing is so many people have looked at this business like very opportunistically, like, oh, you just hire some stylists and build a pretty space and you have a. a blow dry bar. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so much work. I mean, the fact that I've spent you know, the better part of my life perfecting this craft. Like I knew, I know how to hire, I know how to train, I know how to build a team that can help, you know, bring that out. And so it's, it's just, it's never ending work. So it's not, it's not a concept that you can just hire Silas and hope for the best. And I, I know that from starting our first store and not having a training program in place and how much we have built that out over time. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, th- again, it's like they need to be able to go to Starbucks and have the same drink made the same way. They need to be able to go to dry bar and know what they're getting. I, 100%. I use dry bars in like multiple different locations. And thank you. That's, I mean, I, I do it for a reason, especially yeah. when I'm traveling. Cause I'm yeah. like, no, no. Well, and that is like the biggest compliment I can get because I it's like it truly is because I we, we so badly want you to be in New York or LA or Arizona or Dallas and and get, sit in a dry bar I mean you you could not even know what city you're in when you're sitting in there because they all look so similarly but the fact that like you're you know if you want to straight up you're going to get a great straight up no matter what shop you go to and that is very much because of the training we train our stylists on all the styles and of course they have their own like unique flair and you always get a little something different from every stylist which is nice and you want that but that can consistency from location to location is like everything for us so the uh, theme of this season is meltdowns and comebacks so <laughs> naturally <laughs> meltdowns we, and comebacks. we definitely want to know about you know and I, I mean you kind of mentioned it how like you tried to start a product line nobody would talk to you which is just like it sounds crazy to us now but um can you walk us through a time when you had a failure or a bad day you know just literally yeah. it just didn't go right and how did you bounce back from that setback <laughs> well Really, it's before dry bar time when my so my brother Michael, who's my business partner, and my brother, so we've always been really <laughs> close. We, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life pre going to beauty school, we worked together. Uh, we were both living in New York City. We were both working for Nicole Miller, designer. I was working in the Soho store. Michael was working in their corporate office, and. Michael had this idea that he wanted us to open Nicole Miller boutiques in South Florida where we grew up. So I was like, I was like kind of like not loving, I was so young. I was not loving New York at that point. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. We moved back to South Florida. We opened a, a Nicole Miller in Meisner Park, which I'm sure you know. Yes, very nice. Yeah, <laughs> which is beautiful. Yes. Like it was very new at that point. And we opened in Miami. So I'm like 20. 
21 maybe at this point and michael is three years older than me so he's like 24 we were very young and and you know i didn't finish i mean i, I kind of went to college for a second but i didn't but i didn't go to class very much and i didn't finish <laughs> um so you know i didn't ha- i i was just trying to figure out my life and what i wanted to do so michael had this idea you know and, and i'm kind of michael and i've always been so close that i would blindly kind of follow him anywhere so i was like yeah this is great so we moved to south florida we opened these boutiques they were pretty successful but you know i quickly found myself driving back and forth from boca to miami which i know you know a is, long a, drive. is a bitch of a drive yeah. it's like orange county yeah. to la it sucks so mm. i was and i was all of 21 years old and i was managing and running two like clothing stores which is by the way what my parents did they had clothing stores and i was like man, I am not happy. This is not what I want to do. And and it just wasn't for me. And so, and my brother and I were fighting so badly, I think because we were both in this like job career that like we didn't love, that we weren't like fulfilled in. And so it was really starting to like wreak havoc on our relationship. My parents were nervous because we'd always been so close. And all of a sudden there was this massive rift because we were operating this business that neither one of us was really loving. So I finally mustered up the courage to tell my brother like, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore, which I was so scared that he was going to be so mad at me. Turns out he wasn't. He didn't want to do it anymore either. <laughs> and he and I said, I think I want to go to beauty school. Like that's that's the thing that's always been in the back of my mind as what I really want to do, but didn't know what it looked like. So, you know, we decided to part ways. And even though I thought he was going to kill me and, you know, I couldn't, I just couldn't deal with another, like, scream. we would have like screaming matches in like the back room. It was so bad. And so he gave me like, he's like, I think you should go do that. I went to, to start it beauty school and Michael I don't even know what Michael went to do we sold that business for not <laughs> right. not like we didn't really make any money but we just wanted out of that and so that was like a big turning point in my life and then I went to beauty school where like I'd gone from running stores making like a pretty decent salary to now like begging my parents to pay for beauty school because you know and I was then started working as an assistant at a local hair salon and but I was never happier so it was definitely a failure yeah in a sense but then it was like really helped me get to the next thing did you I guess like what's your relationship with failure like I mean do you embrace failure do you see it as sort of like you know it's like training yeah totally I think that like you have to you have to experience the, the the downs and the lows and the and the mistakes to get to the good stuff. I, I think is that how I've always seen it. I don't I don't like it. I mean, I know so many people talk about how failure is is great because you learn from it, and that's true. But like in the moment, it just sucks, right. you know. And that's you know, and and I I there's been so many times where I have you know made the wrong decision or said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing, and you know you're like. Oh, you know, like, shit, why did I do that? But you learn and then you don't do that again. And so that, that, that's how you get to the other side. But I think, so I think failure is important, even though it sucks in the moment, it's just like feedback. Like I talk about that a lot, that feedback is, is the hardest thing to hear. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. I hate, it's like a love hate relationship. But you're like, this is a gift. You're supposed to like it. And I, and I say that I preach that, but, and, and I feel like, it does make you better but in the moment it's really hard to hear because you're like you're up here and you're like everything's great and then someone's like you know this wasn't so good and and, you know and I've had personally to deal with that through you know the growth of our company with Drybar when we brought on our professional CEO John Hefner which I was very hesitant about that whole thing and I remember and I and I jokingly talk about it all the time because of these like therapy sessions with John (laughs) because he was like 
you know, get, coached me a lot on how to like better deliver, better deliver feedback that I'm seeing in the stores and how to better deliver a negative message to a manager or a district manager or head of retail or whatever it was that was bothering me because I just used to have this like very or much more aggressive and I would be so mad and it's like if everything wasn't perfect I would be it would drive me nuts my face would turn red I mean my kids tell me my eyes turn red when I'm mad <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's possible but you know and, it, and so it's taken years for me to like take a deep breath and back away from it and let, you know, and realize that it's like, it's not always going to be perfect, even though it's so in my nature, you know, that everything has to be perfect a hundred percent of the time. It's unrealistic. So you kind of mentioned this a little bit already, but you didn't graduate from college. You didn't have this clear career path. And in fact, you had a lot of career transitions from PR to retail before dry bar. But I, what I think is great is like, you really didn't let the fear keep you from taking risk and trying new things. And I'm curious, what's your advice for other women who are trying to answer that arduous question? Like, what should I do with my life? I'm not happy here. What do I do next? I mean, that it's so difficult to answer that question, even if you know what you want to do. Yeah. Well, and I think it's like, it, it certainly can be a leap of faith do, doing what you want to do. But I'm a, I'm a really big believer in like, I know it sounds very cheesy, but like following your passion, following your heart. I think that's what I ultimately did when I decided to leave, you know, the business with Michael and Nicole Miller and decided to go to beauty school and like stop making a good salary and, you know, have to move back in with my parents and, it was just like what I had to do to do what I ultimately wanted to do. It was sacrifice. Right. You know? And I think you have to be willing to do that. I talk to a lot of women who are, you know, work at these great, big, fancy jobs, lawyers, like whatever. They're doing something. They have a great salary. And they're like, I, I have this idea. I'm super passionate about it, but I don't want to walk away from this job, you know? And it's like, that's hard. And, you know, and, and I think that's when you you get like creative and you make yourself a plan. Like, well, don't leave tomorrow, you know, like give yourself six months or a year and, and put yourself on a crazy budget. Put as much money as you can away. So you have at least like six months of not having to worry about money coming in, right. you know, or, 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 you know, go, if you have, you know, friends or family who can back you and, or whatever it is, but there's, there's always a way there really is. And at the end of the day, and this is how I felt when we started dry bar, if, if your business idea doesn't work, you can go back to being a lawyer, you Absolutely. know? And I felt like if dry bar didn't work, I would have, I don't know if I would have started another business or I would have gone back to just working in a hair salon. Like there's all sorts of great jobs out there. There's such great opportunities, you know, and I was, I've had a lot of jobs and I've tried a lot of things because I, I'm so curious about so many things. And I think that's kind of what's kept me from, you know, being fearful of like, what's next? I know that I'm smart. I know that I'm capable. I knew that I could land another job. So right. I wasn't going to starve to death, you know? <laughs> I'm sure. Well, and I, I'm sure you get asked that question all the time. It's just, uh, there's plenty of women out there who are like, how did you get the, you know, the, just the faith in yourself to make the leap into it. But I, I feel like you kind of said earlier, you're like, well, I was doing mobile dry barring or my mobile business while I was raising kids. So you didn't, it's not like you went from one or the other, an idea to launching dry bar, no, which is how process. most, yeah. And I think what people forget about most entrepreneurs is like, they've been doing this for a long time before what you see is what right. you're seeing. Right. Um, it's so true. I mean that whole, I'm also like a huge believer, which is like something my brother and I always argue about, like everything happens for a reason and you're in the right place at the right time like Same. Mm -hmm. you know so for me it was like the, the idea of dry bar it was not even a thought when I was when I started my mobile business the reason I started my mobile business is because I was like 
I need like to do something for myself. I don't, I'm, I love being, I loved being a stay at home mom. I stayed home for five years with my kids and then I just got the itch to do something for myself again. And I was like, I just want to see if I can do this, earn a little extra cash, just do something fulfilling for me. And that was it. There was no business plan. There was nothing. And I started this business and then I started, you know, it kind of got like the, the like, creative juices flowing and I was like huh you know maybe there's something else here and it was a very slow build and progression and I think that that's where it's like really it does come down to like following the path and figuring out and and staying very true to what you want to do because it can lead I mean and you you, never know where it's gonna go you have so many entrepreneur friends I have so many entrepreneur friends and when you when you when you listen to their stories you know you just there's always this like deep-seated passion for whatever they're doing that they just went along the path a lot of different ways until they got there I mean I have kind of a funny story when I was living in New York this was I don't know. I lived in New York like all of my 20s and I went back and forth to Florida a couple of times and I wanted to work in fashion and this was like right around the Nicole Miller days and I had once interviewed with Cynthia Raleigh and it was to be her personal assistant which I thought was like the coolest thing ever and this was like 20 years ago and Cynthia Raleigh was like at the top of her game. She's a huge designer and I had, I had just come, I had already gone to beauty school because I had just come off a job where I, you know, which I was doing hair and I was like an assistant and I was like, you know, as an assistant, you are really doing like the shit work. You're sweeping floors. You're just washing hair. It's not very glamorous or glorious. And I interviewed, I wanted to get out of that at that point. And I interviewed with Cynthia Raleigh and I was like, thought I was a shoe in for this job because I was recommended from somebody she was very close with. And the girl who recommended me said like, you are definitely gonna get this job. I've never in my life blown an interview so bad. And I've never blown an interview. I mean, that was the only time because I've, I, I know what, I feel like I know what to say. Like my parents had their own business. Like I'm good in interviews, but I fucking blew this interview. <laughs> I think, I think I told her I didn't want to work in a subservient job. I was going to be her personal assistant. And I think that I had felt a little like swallowed up by the hair industry at that point. And I felt like I, I didn't want to be in this like, this environment where I was like, I was just, you know, I mean, I used to have to walk John Zahog's dogs on Madison Avenue and they were huge greyhounds. So they were like horses and you know, yes. Yeah. So I was just like, I didn't, I wanted, like, I don't know what I thought I wanted, but I said that line to her. And the second it came out of my mouth, I was like, I, yeah. I was like, I just, I just ruined this. And then of course my friend called me and she's like, what did you say in that interview? Like, she's definitely not hiring you. And I was like, oh, and, and I was so upset about that for so long that I blew that interview. But had I gotten that job, like my trajectory would have been so different. Totally I mean, different. who knows what would have happened, you know? So it, that's where I, I feel so strong that everything happens for a reason. You know, women in particular, I think are really our harshest critics. Yeah. And I know you have sort of identified with being a perfectionist and you want things to be done right. And I'm sure every woman listening to this is like, I get that. And like you're balancing, I mean, also like I'm an entrepreneur, but I don't have any kids. So I balance very few things outside my business. You have your family, your relationships, your business, you have all this to balance. Um, not to mention just like the fact that I think women do have high expectations on themselves. How, like, how do you, I don't want to say balance that. How do you manage all of that while kind of doing all know, this. taking care of yourself too and not losing it? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like some days like my head's spinning, like absolutely. Like sometimes I'm just like, you know, out of like my mind because there's so much going on and, and like trying to like remember all the things that I want to do for myself and all the things that I need to do for my kids and, and like maintaining a good marriage and like running the business. And, and it it is overwhelming to say the least, you know, but you, you, you like, 
I think I, I but I think I also kind of thrive in that like environment of, cha- of kind of controlled yeah. chaos, which is actually what dry bar is. And just a side note, it's like we have found th- there's managers who can't just can't manage a dry bar because it's so crazy hectic and you have to thrive in that like chaotic state of mind where things are always moving and changing and I think that that's probably like where I best thrive like I do not like it when I don't have a lot going on like Mm -hmm. I feel like antsy you know and so I think that that's how you know I've made it work like I I certainly appreciate my downtime like and and I'm big into self-care you know I I carve out that time for myself to not only like work out and eat right and um you know, get massages and facials and things like that. Like it's, it's a, it's a total juggling act, you know, and then to be there for the things that are important to my kids, which now my kids are 11 and 13. So we have a lot of like, we have a, such an open dialogue with our kids. It's like, you tell me what's, I remember a couple of years ago when it's, when I started saying to my kids, like, Oh, like Grant, you have this thing at your school tonight and I'm going to go. And he'd be like, you don't have to go, mom. And I'd be like, are you sure? Like, and he, he would say, yeah, but then there's things that he would tell me that like, mom, you have to go to this. And he can communicate to me like what's important and what's not. So then that gives me a little leeway. And you know, my kids are watching, have watched all of this success and they've, they've grown up in dry bar. So they get it. They get that I'm busy. They get that, that I travel. They don't always like it, but there's this very open communication with us that like, there are certain things that I have to do for me. Just like we do all this stuff for you. These are things that like mommy needs. And so, you know, and it's, it's also like with my husband, you know, I mean, we work together, but there's times where he's like annoyed that I have another trip to go on, you know, partially because he misses me and wants me around partially because it's like, he's a single parent, you know? (laughs) So it's like, it's a constant juggling act. And I don't, I, I think if you ask anybody who has like a career and kids and a husband, it's like, there is no answer. It's just kind of figuring it out day in and day out and, and, and not losing sight of yourself, I think is the most important thing. I think that's the thing that women, let fall to the wayside is themselves, mm-hmm. which I get, you know, and I, and I'm certainly guilty of that too, but I really try to keep me and what I personally need to be the best I can be like right up there in the priority list with my kids and my husband and the job. What's your best advice for women who are working to create a career on their terms? What, what would, what would you say to them? Well, I think it's, I think it's the only way to think of it really is, is figuring out what it is that, that you want and really staying true to that, to that vision and not wavering. I think it's kind of what we were talking about before, where you just have to, you know, kind of stay the course and not let the fact that like somebody doesn't believe in your idea or someone's not listening to you, you know, distract you or dissuade you from like what you're ultimately trying to get to, you know? Yeah. Stay focused. But with that said, you know, you want to, you know, heed the advice from the people that you trust, which should be a very small group, in my opinion. You know, there's there's a handful of people that I, you know, I trust implicitly. And I if they tell me, like, I don't know about that, then I'm like, okay, and I rethink it, you know? And then I think there's, there's such a strength in, like, your gut. And, like, I just, and sometimes I just know. And I feel like if I'm doubting this even a little, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. That's always been like my guiding light that like, if I feel a little iffy, then there's a chance it's going to backfire. Like I only try to do things that I feel a hundred percent about. Right. You know? And that doesn't mean you can't take risks, but calculated. Yeah. And I think your gut is always leaning one way or the other. And sometimes your support group just helps back up yeah. what you're thinking. Exactly. And, I mean, I'm like that. I like to have a second opinion and you Same. Know, I'll talk about something 15 times, but that's my way of working through it. Yeah. Um, so I, I completely and, understand And just that. getting someone else's perspective. I mean, obviously I bounce everything 
off my husband and my my brother and you know we don't always agree on everything and some things I just feel like I'm I feel really good and I'm just gonna do it but it's just good to have a different perspective it just makes you think about things differently and and the more you can see things from all angles or as many angles as possible I think you're in a much better place absolutely okay so to wrap up i've got two last questions um if you could rename meltdown or failure bad day whatever you want to call it what would you call it (laughs) it's a tough one (laughs) i i I, because something just sprang to mind i would call it the red wine crisis (laughs) that's a good one (laughs) we'll have to brand or uh, trademark that um (laughs) and then what's next for you in your career well Probably the podcast, you know, is, is the, my newest baby and or with my brother, who I've talked about a lot. And it's really came about because, you know, similar to this interview, it's like I get asked all the time, you know, you know, how do you raise money? How do you, you know, figure out branding? How do you find a store location? You know, how do you hire? Like, there's a zillion questions when you're starting your own business. And I've learned so much over the last 10 years, like growing this business. And, and I, I have a certain kind of like subset of things that I've learned that I'm really good at. And then there's my brother who is like, like I said, like the business side of things, it has a very different point of view on everything. So we decided that it would be, you know, a good way to give back and to be able to answer, you know, we don't have time to have coffee with everybody who emails us and we get a lot of emails and I get a lot of DMs and, you know, people reaching out to me all the time. And I wish I had more hours in the day to sit down and say, okay, here's what I think, because I do have very strong opinions about what you may or may not doing what I think is right or wrong. So we decided, I kind of had to like drag my brother into this. I was like, I think it'd be really cool podcasts are like sweeping the nation right as yes. we're sitting here doing yes. one um and i did the how i built it podcast with guy Raz yes. a couple months or mm-hmm. a couple years ago and, and uh, you know it's it's astounding to me how much feedback i got from that and how much people loved hearing our story so that's when that idea kind of started for me that i was like i think I want the opportunity to tell more people more stuff about what, you know, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and downs of, of us and running our business. So I, I just didn't want to do it by myself because so much of, you know, of, of this business has been Michael and I figuring it all out together. And there's there's things that either what both of us are good at and things that both of us aren't. And, and then because we're brother and sister, there's this very silly, funny banter between us. And there's this realness and this honesty that is just such a fun, you know, we kind of joke that we're like taking our little act on the road because, <laughs> you know, it's like this, this, this like, you know, banter and uh, that we've always had between us that is kind of fun to put into a show. And we've really enjoyed it. So we're, we're interviewing all these other entrepreneurs and people who've started their own business and, you know, learning so many things about them. And then there's like, you know, people we've interviewed who have like a small footprint and it's so successful. And then my brother's like, well, why don't, why don't you, why haven't you built this up bigger? And they're like, yeah, you know, I'm good. This is, I'm really happy. We're in right. my brother's like, but, but you could be a millionaire, you know? And he's like, but ah, it's okay. And so it's like this funny, there's just, there's so many different learnings and uh, getting to talk to these entrepreneurs and then giving, getting to give our advice. We do this section called DM me where I've asked people from like my Instagram, like what's your most, you know, burning business question. And they'll, you know, email us and 
or DM us and you know, or me and say, how do you do this? And so we'll answer it live on the show. And then Michael and I will talk about it. Like, oh yeah, well remember this. And it, and it's funny how many things like come flooding back to us that we haven't thought about. Right. Because they happened eight years ago, you know? So it's just, it's been a little bit therapeutic and and so much fun. And it's it's kind of the, it's the next It's the next line us. of communication too. What's, it really is. What's the question you guys get asked the most? I think the money question is it comes up the most, and it is. It's the, one of the hardest things to do. You know, yeah, it is, takes is get, money to build a business. It really does. Ju- it just does, and, and there's there's a lot of different ways to do it. There's a lot of ways to go about it. It's a it's a scary thing, you know. So it's probably what we get asked the most, and then and then I think it's the branding, you know, mm-hmm. and, and having how do you how do you get customers in the door? Like, what makes people like love your business? You know, I think for me, it's like the the the, the big overarching reasons Drybar is so successful is the branding and the customer service and you know and the experience and all those things wrapped up into one. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's always like where I come back to. Absolutely. And the podcast is called Raising the Bar. It's called Raising the Bar it launched. Well, I don't know when this is airing, but it's <laughs> yeah. It's launched. It's it's, it's out there out in the there. world. Yeah, yeah, I just listened to the episode with your dad, which I was telling you earlier. I love so everyone can start with that. <laughs> it's so it's so sweet, and I know we were talking that we were wondering if people were going to be interested to hear from our dad, people who don't know us personally. But I've gotten so much feedback on that, and and I mean, listen, that's where it all started. My parents had their own business, and we that's how we got our foundation, and I think that's how we became entrepreneurs was watching our parents bend over backwards for their customer and built this little business from nothing and built a life from nothing you know so right. it's it's a it's a very foundational story to hear my dad talk about it's a good about. place to start a podcast and, for and sure. it was interesting <laughs> talking to him about it because you know there's stuff that we talked about that we hadn't talked about in years and years and years and I was like huh my dad had some great business insights you know and we kind of like we knew it all and it was like ingrained in us but to hear it again was really neat for us too yeah that's awesome so tell people where they can find you um, on social media or so I'm just Ali Webb and it's A-L-L-I-W-E-B-B and then there's the at the dry bar and raising the bar is like it's called raising the bar and you can find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast it's it's the company we're with is Wondry. So yeah, so awesome. we're out and we're, we're talking, we've done a bunch of interviews already. So they'll be coming out every Wednesday, I believe there'll be new episodes and we're doing the segment called Out With Allie where I go and like explore other businesses. Oh, fun. So there's, you know, we're just kind of playing around with it and seeing what, what people are enjoying. I can't wait to like, we've been calling our guy all day. Like, are people downloading it? Yeah. Are people buying it? Are, is someone listening Is anybody listening besides our dad? <laughs> I know. That's awesome. So, well, thank you so much yeah, for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks. It's so fun. That was Ali Webb, the founder of Drybar, author, and podcast host. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Females. For more interviews and career advice from incredible women, check out careercontested.com. We also offer other great resources like career coaching, a curated jobs board, profiles on female supportive companies, and on-demand career courses in our e-learning library. Seriously, we're a one-stop shop for your career success. And if you're looking to start your own side hustle, whether for extra cash, developing your skills, or launching a future business like Allie, you can download our free quiz that helps you determine which side hustle is perfect for you to start. It's free and you can find the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And I'd be so grateful if you could rate us and review us. It's really, really helpful and valuable to see what you guys like about the show. Plus, we'll send you all the good karma vibes in return. 
And don't forget that we're super social over on our Instagram channel at Career Contessa. And we'd love your help spreading the word about this podcast by mentioning it on your social media channels with hashtag the females podcast. <laughs>